Hallelujah. Hey, good to see you all again by way of media and by the Spirit of God. We are getting closer and closer to the soon coming of our Lord and we're going to look face to face at the one who loved us before time began. Amen. Thank you uh, to the media team and Brother Sharat who is with us to help us to bring this whole thing to pass. Amen. So let's pray for a second. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. We honor you for this day, for this hour. Hallelujah. Grateful. We are grateful. We are grateful. We worship you. We trust you, Holy One. You brought us and you've taken care of us till this moment. No matter what has happened on the outside, your great unfailing love for us has never changed. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you. Faithful God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the gathering of the saints. Thank you for the rest that we have in you, Lord. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us. Blessed Redeemer, Living Word, O Jesus, Name above all names, Beautiful Savior, Glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us, blessed Redeemer, living word, oh blessed Redeemer, living word, hallelujah, we worship and adore you, who is like you, O oh God, who can compare with you, Mashere Mandarabaso Koriende, hallelujah, worship and adore you, Hamashere Mandere Bakuro Sandere Abamandara Mandere Ste, Mandere Soriandere Balashatarali Deberiende. Worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you, Lord. Blessed be your holy name. Thank you, Abba Father. Thank you, Abba Father. Thank you, Abba Father. We call every need met. We call every yoke destroyed. Every burden removed. Welcome, precious spirit who is with us, who is in our midst. We are so grateful that you are the one that's here with us in the church age. Help us to flow with you. Help us to yield to you. Great, mighty Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We receive, we receive, we receive, we receive. 
Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. Glory to God. Today um, we'll have a few more thoughts as we've been saying about His life in us and corresponding um, results of applying eternal life to the spirit of man, the born-again spirit of man, and all of those kind of thoughts. And let's see how far we can go. But you know, the Word of God is our final document and uh, our real concrete proof, not anything that we see or feel, like I've tried to uh, say again and again. I haven't been to Jerusalem, and uh, it's not that we have anything against Jerusalem. We used to support Israel financially through CUFI, and um, we pray for Israel every day, along with other nations like U.S. and our nation. And, you know, we, we love the world. We love the people that God created and uh, don't get me wrong or misunderstand me. We love the Jewish people just like we love any other people. So it's just that we've understood some things by the Scripture. And uh, the Bible is supposed to appeal to anyone, even if you're a child and you were uneducated and all you had was basic reading ability without any deep education. You were invited to enter into the realms of God. And so I would like to approach it like that. Thank God for all other helps and um, things that are available today. But if you had no help and you were just a kid and all you had was working knowledge of maybe reading and writing, uh, could you really enter into a place with God and enjoy His mercy and fullness? I believe it's possible because God has made himself available to every uh, type of person as long as you're hungry and thirsty. Praise God. So uh, the Word of God is our final authority, not necessarily any other thing that you may see or feel or touch because we are created in the image and likeness of God as spirit beings. And so we have to learn to appreciate that we are first of all spirits and uh, everything has to be based on that spirit reality. So praise God. Let's just take a few thoughts about God's Word. Let's go into the book of Psalms and notice there Psalm chapter 12 and verse 6. It says, The Word of the Lord, or rather the words of the Lord are pure Words as silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times. Hallelujah. Let's hear that in Canada, please. Thank you, Brother Sharat. So we see here that God's word has been tried and it has been um, tested by the fire of the furnace. And he's telling us that this word is pure. And uh, similar verses like that, we go to, again, the book of Psalms. And Psalms 18 and verse 30. As for God, 
His way is perfect. Notice that the word of God is tried and is a buckler to all those that trust in Him. So you notice similar kind of thoughts. Let's uh, hear this also in Canada. Notice Psalm 30 and verse 5. He says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. Let's hear that in Canada also. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's Proverbs 30. I'm very sorry. I got to have my phone closer. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Amen. Sorry for that little tease there. But, um, you know, we just want to realize more and more that the Word of God is a, is a tried Word and it's a shield and it's for man to put trust in or lean on and trust as though you would hide in a place of shelter. I'm sure by now Psalm 91 is becoming more real like that to each one of us. And you can see that God expects His Word to be like that. Just like you would trust in any natural shelter or shield or place of refuge, God's Word has been tried and proven to be trustworthy for us to go and hide and receive our shelter, protection, preservation, and provision. Hallelujah. So God has made that clear to us in the Word so that you could use your senses and think, hmm, I see, there was no need for Him to say that, but He's telling us plainly that His Word has been tried, tested, and proven. And here we have come in these last days as the church into that same Word that's the same yesterday, today, and forever, has never changed. That word has become now a bulwark, a refuge, a defense, a fortress for us. Hallelujah. So we are not going down a strange path. It's a proven, a tried path. Hallelujah. So don't be scared. Men of old have gone down this path and they have trusted God and they have given us their own experience as we see in the Word of God. Hallelujah. So... We're going to be leaning on God more than men. Hallelujah. Let's go to another scripture in the book of Psalms. Glory to God. 118th Psalm and verse 9. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Let's hear that in Canada also, please. Amen. It's better to put trust in the Lord than in princes. I mean, princes, um, thank God for favor and knowing princes and people of authority. And it's not a bad thing. And God said he would make us stand before princes. And, uh, you know, our pedigree in Christ would bring us not just before mere men, but men of renown because of our diligence in the things of God. So... You know, one has a tendency to put trust in such contacts and friendships. But he's saying it's better to put your trust in God than in princes. Hallelujah. So even if you don't know any princes, thank God you have the Prince of Peace. And he and his word are one. Hallelujah. So God, notice he's telling us what we need to trust in, what we need to lean on. And uh, he's guiding us down a tried, tested path. And he's telling us, don't worry, it's been proven seven times, and it's pure. Hallelujah. 
Now I'll take a jump off to Deuteronomy also. Deuteronomy and chapter 30. What is what he says there in verse 2? He says, You shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Amen. So notice he's saying there that you should not add to it. You should not uh, diminish anything. Don't take anything out of it. Just keep it as the way it is. Hallelujah. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm so glad that God's word is wonderful. Praise God. It looks like I had a blooper there, isn't it? Deuteronomy uh, 4, verse 2. Sorry. Let's just hold it right here. Yeah, that's better. Today I have new kind of lights, and so it's uh, doing something to me. <laughs> you shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Mm. Sorry, Brother Charles. Shall we hear that also? Deuteronomy 4, verse 2. <laughs> So here he's saying you should not add to it. It's perfect. There's no, no need to bend it out of context. No need to uh, wrestle with the scripture. You know, sometimes people try to wrestle with the scripture and twist it, and then it becomes destructive to themselves also. Amen. So God has perfectly tested, tried it, and said it's perfect. Don't add to it, don't take away from it, don't take it into any personal interpretation realms. Let the Spirit who wrote it be the one who divides it for us. Amen? So let's read another scripture like that in Revelation twenty-two nineteen. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. So you can see, you know, it's pretty uh, serious how God views His Word, and He has put it across to us like that. So we're dealing with a document that has been um, vetted, checked out by God, proven by God, and He's saying it's perfect. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let's hear that also in Canada, Revelation 22:19. Amen. So God is now transcending just natural realms. He's saying there's um, a future beyond life on the earth, and uh, this book is going to affect that also. So we are learning to respect His word and uh, receive understanding by His Spirit who authored the Word. And so we're trusting God that He will help us. Amen. Especially in these last days because um, people find it hard to be patient, to stay with God and uh, stay with His own way, you know, especially in the last days. Amen. So we're going to try to not lean on any other understanding 
but trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. Amen. Praise God. So it's reverential. It has uh, results that transcend this life. And God has seen beyond this life. And He knew us before time began. And He had planned for us that are good, not evil, to give us a future and a hope, to bring us to the expected end. And His plans are good. And the expected end is therefore good. He began a good work in us. And He's going to work in us until we meet Him face to face. Hallelujah. So I'm learning more and more to take my hands off um, trusting in uh, anything in the natural, um, even in princes. Thank God you are a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. And God called you that. Amen. But even if you get hurt or maltreated by these princes, it's okay. Trust in God. Hallelujah. Have you been hurt by a prince? A brother of the Lord Jesus, it's all right. It's okay. You can tell the Lord, I'm sorry. I leaned on my own understanding. I put my trust in men and the sons of men. Forgive me. The more you've been hurt, it's a reflection of how much you trusted in them. So it's, it's a tightrope. God will help us all. Amen. And as we learn to live from the inside, I believe that... What God says is final authority. Amen. Praise God. All right, let's, let's go to Second Peter. I just wanted us to see that what we are reading is, you know, stamped from heaven. Second Peter chapter 1. And let's go to verse 1 again. It says, Simon Peter is servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 2 continues, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Notice that these benefits are multiplied. They are not just added, they are multiplied. And if you've done any mathematics from basic standards, you know that multiplication always produces more than simple addition. Amen. So God's ways are to multiply and increase us exponentially. Um, it's amazing. He's a good God. And so studying the Bible, delving deep into it, prayerfully meditating over it, brings multiplied benefits all the time. You're not wasting your life. You're not wasting your time. You are delving into the very benefits and blessings of God Almighty Himself is proven, tested, tried, and that's it. It's it's awesome. Hallelujah. Let's hear verse two in Canada, please. Devar Vishavagi, Namakartanda Asin Vishavagi, Paridnyanu Magi Uttabudarelli, Kripeyu Shantiu, Echitagidorel. Notice there he goes in verse three, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. Notice that you are being called to a place that maybe your eyes have not yet seen, maybe your heart has not yet fully pondered, but it's a high place. God is calling us to the place where He Himself inhabits, place of glory and virtue. Hallelujah. Um, I would like us to notice that Jesus prayed a prayer in John 17 
And there he said he wanted us to be where he was and to behold the glory which was his before he came to the earth. In John 17 he says, verse 26 he says, And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare that the love where which thou hast loved me be, be in them, and they, uh, and I in them. Verse 24, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. You can see how he's talking, 25, O righteous Father, the world has not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And so it's a, it's a father, son, inviting us into their family and saying, all that I have, I want my family to receive. These sons, these people that you've given unto me, I want them to also receive. So you can see a selfless personality, God himself being unveiled there. And it's through his word, through this precious letter, that we are receiving this revelation. Amen. So um, I believe that John 17 is a vital prayer. And sometimes when you're free, you could just read it over and over again. And I'm going to just read uh, verse 3. He says, And this is the life or life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Here he says that this is life eternal or eternal life, to know Jesus, to actually walk with him, to get revelation of who he is, is where the life is. Amen. Let's read that also in Canada, verse 3 of John 17. Amen. Then he continues as a good son. He says in verse 4, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Notice here, he said there was a work given to him. And he has finished that work, and therefore he has glorified the Father. Amen. Let's hear that in Canada also. Verse 4. Amen. So, I believe that every son that comes into his family gets to know him and begins to find his role in the Father's will for them personally. And uh, our whole context in life is to finish that, to do it completely, to glorify Him. In, in the midst of that, you may find yourself hitting roadblocks, detours, and all of that. But you remember uh, our message by Brother Joji once on Romans chapter 8. He talked about how the Holy Spirit is there to help you to pray so that it will all work out together for good. You know, we can trust the precious Holy Spirit who was given to us to keep us, to be with us like that, to make sure that all of these things work out, no matter what it looks like or whatever, you know, mountain you've run into or detour or whatever you have faced, God is able to make it all work out together for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So there is a purpose in God 
And um, as you press toward that, even if you detour and run into challenges and things that you didn't expect or plan for, praise God the Holy Ghost is there to jump in into the trench with you and empower you to pray out and bring yourself out into a place where it all works out together for good. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm excited about these wonderful things that God has prepared for us. Amen. Which eyes have not seen nor ear heard, which the Spirit of God is helping us to tap into. We live in um, trying times right now. Uh, There are challenges in the natural realm, but I feel that we should continue to look on the inside and uh, behold the spirit realm and behold our Father's realm and the things of God. Hallelujah. And that will help us navigate, navigate and go through anything that's out there. So don't be shocked. The word is tried, is proven, and God has His ability ministered to us through the word. Hallelujah. Let's go back again to Second Peter and observe. If you remember, we finished verse 4, verse 3, according as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us glory and virtue. Verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. And verse 5 says, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, virtue knowledge, knowledge temperance, temperance patience, patience godliness, in the seventh verse, to godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, love. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and has forgotten that he is purged from his old sins. And it goes on like that. You know, maybe we can just um, read verse 10 in Kannada. Amen. So there is a part with us that God cannot do and He just needs our will. And I believe that once the will is ready and you can begin to vocalize the will of God and speak it out of your mouth, the Spirit of God and the Word will triumph and bring you to a place of where you can actually do the will of God, fulfill the plan of God, the elect purpose, chosen reason for your appearing on the earth. Hallelujah. The calling and election can be sure. All of us have a calling and an election. We're called out of darkness to the marvelous light. We've been given a place in the spirit realm as kings, oh, hallelujah, and priests. And so we declare things. We dominate over the natural realm by words. The word of the king is with power, the scripture says. And the anointing on our heads makes sure that we can stand in the presence of God, praying for people, interceding for people. I believe you prayed today for the nations. I believe you stood before God, interceding. Amen? Don't forget, these are your royal privileges. You're a king and a priest. You know, people get slightly ruffled about 
having communion in their homes, and a lot of religious sentiments get affected. But did you know you're a priest? Did you know you're a king? So as a priest, you have to take your place. And if you are the husband, uh, the father in that house, then you have to take that place and stand in that place and minister in that place. You know, religion has exclusively put um, tradition and so-called priests above the royal priesthood that Jesus has called us into. We are called as priests, hallelujah, and kings. Glory and virtue has vouched for us. Amen? So don't feel uh, messed up about taking communion at home and uh, partaking of these privileges. You're a king and you're a priest and you have to fulfill your purpose on the earth. Amen. And I believe the Word of God and the Spirit of God are enlightening us uh, as to these purposes in our life. Hallelujah. So whether you are a doctor, professor, um, teacher, schoolboy, whoever you are, if you're a believer, you are a priest. And also, you are a king. And so the Word of God is equipping us to make that calling and election sure. Hallelujah. And then, of course, God will lead you as you understand this priesthood and as you understand this kingship you've been given, God will lead you into the specific things that He has for you to do. Praise God. So, um, let's take a hold of that. There's a lot of diligence involved. That means you have to study, you have to hearken, you have to yield, you have to listen. But if you lack these things, you may have a different life and uh, your end in eternity is also different. You do not receive the necessary accolades and rewards which you should have. But if you do this properly, you have a gallant entrance. You have an amazing welcome at the very throne of heaven. Amen. Praise God. So, my brother, my sister, let's try our best to do this. Notice that there are steps there, one after the other. Uh, giving all diligence, add to your faith Virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, patience, uh, godliness, brotherly kindness, and then love. You know, sometimes people don't like the fact that, you know, uh, people in Christianity say three steps to that, five steps to the other. But it's because there are actually steps um, <laughs> that you cannot just uh, avoid. There are actual steps that God has laid out. So here, um, there's an adding of one of these to the next and the next and the next. Notice that at the very top is the love of God. And so uh, that is our target. We are headed in that direction. No matter whether you're a priest or a king, you have to be walking in the great love of God. Hallelujah. So sometimes people just scream authoritatively, and it, it works. But, uh, you know, they are not aware of the love walk. And so it turns out different. The results are strange. And uh, as you get involved in ministry, you see all those kind of things, you know. But definitely, they will have a different entry into heaven. Amen? So why don't we go for the best entry? Let's do it as clearly as we can. Hallelujah. We're working towards the love of God. Let's go to... Hallelujah. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
known as the great love chapter and look at a few things. Notice how it begins in verse 1. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and I have not charity or love, I am becoming a sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. Can we hear that in Kannada, please? So notice here that it's possible to just be just making noise, just wheels turning, but you're never really going anywhere. And so the reality is that God's nature and the spirit man is where we need to do things from. Otherwise, uh, it has no actual value. It's just empty sounds, uh, just movements, motions, but not making any real impact. God expects us to live from the inside, the man on the inside, the spirit realm. Hallelujah. So I believe that this is for our good. He's the God who said people who were Pharisees back then, they would wash the outside of the platter, but inside, you know, was full of dirt and muck. And, uh, you know, they were just based on appearances only. So notice, this is the person who has given us his own nature now and is poured into our spirit man. We got saved, we got the very nature of God. The Holy Spirit came, poured out the same love of God on the inside of us. Exact same love. He says in Romans 5, 5, he says, The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost given unto us. Notice that it's the same love, the exact nature of God. Hallelujah. So um, we are going to have to take advantage of the man on the inside rather than go by the senses and do anything from the senses. The man on the inside is the spirit man and we are weaning ourselves off the sense, sense realm. And uh, we're going to have to look away and look inside. If we continue looking inward rather than waiting for gratification from our senses, we will be living that, that life that brings profit, that life that comes from the spirit realm. And it's just such a blessing to know, ah, I have the love of God poured out in my heart. I have the very nature of God in my born-again spirit, the same as my Father. It's such a blessing to know that. And therefore, we can produce an impact. Notice in Romans 15, I'm sorry, uh, John 15. Let's go there for a second. John 15 and verse 1. It says there, I am the vine, or the true vine, my father is the husband man. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth, that it may bring forth more fruit. Then he goes on. I'll go to verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Hallelujah. Let's just hear verse 5 in Kannada, please. Nani Amen. So, here the ability to produce something that God appreciates is because the nature of the vine 
and the branch has become one. Actually, the sap flowing through is the same. And we, we can rest and say, ah, the same nature flows through the Father, flows through me, and therefore I can produce fruit that has consequence that my Father will love and be excited about. Amen. So today to just know that I bear the same nature as my Father, that I have the same life flowing in me, changes everything. And as I focus on that life, and I think upon that life within me, meditate on that life within me, I can see the difference. I don't have to have a response from my uh, five senses to authenticate it or make it clear. I can base it on God's tried, pure word. Hallelujah. So whether we feel it or not, I have the life of God. I have the great love of God on the inside of me. What flows through the vine flows through the branches. I'm a branch. And the fruit and the miracle working place is actually the branch. God has decided to honor us and make us the actual part of that vine that produces the fruit and produces the miracle. Isn't that interesting? God has loved us and given us that position. Although it is His life flowing through us, He has chosen to use us to bring forth the fruit. The fruit appears on the branch. So notice how God thinks always is uh, for our good and our benefit, and He's given us that kind of place and honor. It's amazing. So as I think on this more and more, I realize that's my Father's nature, and so I'm going to act just like that. Observe the second verse. He says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, you know, people have interpreted this to mean um, it's painful, they're going to chop off branches, and all of that stuff. But uh, if you look at it closely, what happens here is that he's just making sure that the Word of God cleans us up. He's not using any other instrument. You know, verse 3 says, Now you are clean through the Word which I have spoken unto you. So it's not going to be based on um, putting a sickness or some other kind of torture on your external man to teach you something at all. The production of more fruit comes through receiving the Word and that's what we want to think about a little bit more. Hallelujah. Let's hear verse 3 also in Kannada. Verse 4 continues, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. So, abiding in him, abiding in his word, makes the fruit come forth. And so we're going to be thinking about such thoughts because as time is approaching, as we are looking forward to seeing His face soon, we want to make sure we accomplish what we are here for and we do it the right way and we have a fruit that abounds to His glory that is not just empty works, empty noises, you know, just making noise, just a lot of activity without really bringing forth fruit that has eternal value. Amen? So let's think about that for a minute. I'm going to use uh, something out of the book of Revelation for that. Let's go to Revelation chapter 3. Chapter 3 and 
you know, so on, a kind of scary. In fact, I used to steer clear from these kind of readings because I used to wonder, is, is he really talking to believers here? But then, courageously over years, I have been reading it and noticing that it's God, but it's not the way it's just written there. It's, 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 a, it's a different way that he looks at it. So let's see if we can get something out of it. Notice Revelation 3, verse 1, he says, And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write these things, saith he that has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest, and art dead. <laughs> That's quite a statement there. Hallelujah. Let's hear that in Canada, please. Praise the Lord. So, when you read this uh, just off like that, it can be pretty scary. I mean, he that has the Son has life. 1 John 5 says, you know, 11 and 12. We've read that before. And so, how can someone or a church be called dead after that? Notice he says, you have a name, thou livest and art dead. In other words, uh, you have a name, you live and still you're dead. I thought that we were alive. Yes, we are. Praise God. So, he's not talking about the insight. The life is inside the spirit. Here he's talking about the works. See, it's all about what you do. Is it alive or dead? See, here he's directly talking about works. You know, there's a kind of gospel that says you don't have to have works. But you are created in Christ Jesus unto good works, Ephesians 2.10 says. So, Jesus is interested in the works. And he's talking about seeing the works. He says, notice, the angel of the church in Sardis, the angel there is understood to be the messenger or the pastor to that church. He says, these things must be written to him, not to the janitor, not to the guy in the prayer ministry, not the traveling evangelist, etc., etc., but to the pastor. People have all various impressions of what the church ought to be. You know, they think that the church is based on some apostle and is based on some prophet, and those are the foundational truths, and they are the ones who actually build the church, and so on and so forth. But, you know, the Bible is very clear that in the beginning, the way the giftings went, where the sent ones or the apostles had the ability at that time, because there was no other gift, to raise up a church and then set it in motion and then move on to the next and do the same. But as time went, the giftings developed, and so the person in charge of the local church was the pastor. By the time this church had showed up here in Sardis, you can see that John was now receiving revelation, and the revelation was, give this to the pastor. So that's what we have to understand. It's not that the apostle is superior 
and he is the one that runs everything in the body of Christ and so on and so forth. You may have all these thoughts and ideas flashing by out there, but go with the word of God. It's safe, it is tried, it is true. So guess what? If God, Jesus, the head of the church, wants to talk to the church, he talks to the pastor. So he says, say this to the angel, the messenger um, of the church in Sardis. He says, write these things. He that has the seven spirits of God. And you know, according to um, Isaiah chapter 11 and uh, verse 2, it says that there's the seven facets of the Spirit of God. You know, talking about the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. All those kind of thoughts, but it's formed into six facets there in Isaiah about generally the fear of the Lord, counsel, might, all of these attributes, knowledge. And in the original version, there's supposed to be seven, but um, in the King James, there's only six. So as you begin to delve into it further, you will notice there that the original translation is supposed to have one more, which was godliness. So if you add godliness to the other six values or virtues expressed in Isaiah 11, you will notice that it's a sevenfold kind of nature expressed here about the Spirit of God. However, if you have the amplified version um, if of John chapter 16, you will notice there, anytime the comforter is mentioned, there will be in brackets seven attributes, you know, where he's called the comforter, the helper, the intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby. So whatever it is that you glean out of it, let's read he, um, Isaiah 11 and verse 2 first. Let's observe there. And uh, if Brother Sharat can help me with verse 2, that will be lovely. Isaiah 11 and verse 2. And the Spirit of the Lord... Praise God. And the Spirit of the Lord shall... Okay, please go ahead. Amen. So he says that this is the way the Spirit of God would be resting upon the Lord Jesus and he would not judge after the senses. He would not judge based on external things. He would be relying on the knowledge and the fear of God from the Spirit of God. So... His judgment would be perfect. So today, as we consider the seven spirits of God, he's just talking about how the Spirit of God is with the Lord Jesus and the angels of the church or the messengers, the pastors are also in his hands. The seven spirits are in his hands. They are all in his hand. They are in his grip. Praise God. So we are not dealing with some stranger here. We're dealing with Jesus who has the church and the pastors in his own hands. The Spirit of God is also in his own hands. And so as we consider the work of the Spirit by the Word of God, we will see more and more what Jesus has for the church. Praise God. Notice here, 
I go back to Revelation 3, and as I read verse 1, he says, These things saith he that has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Uh, if you read Revelation chapter 1, it says that the seven stars, the mystery of the seven stars, are the seven pastors, actually. And churches are represented by their pastors. And the seven stars, I know thy works, that thou hast a name, thou livest, and are dead. So, these people are not nameless. You know, you're not just a nameless, faceless type of people. You're well-known people with a name, with an identity. You are definitely accounted for. And God is intimately involved in who you are and what you're doing. Praise God. So... You may feel insignificant every now and then because after the fall and we got saved, we have an inferiority complex. It hangs around. And so you have a feeling that you are nothing and you're nobody. But he's telling you, I know you. I know your name. I know who you are. I know the church. I know the pastor. I know what's going on there. Praise God. He says there, in verse 2, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Notice that he's going straight into the works. In other words, what he's saying here is that if you do not do what you were supposed to do, even though you are spiritually alive, Concerning what you have done, they register as dead. Isn't that interesting? You have the life of God in your spirit. Don't ever forget that. Love never fails. Don't ever forget that. So your nature never fails. Do you remember that you are in the Father's hand and you are in Jesus' hands and you have eternal life? He said there in John 10, if you remember, 28, 27, 28, and 29, if you read them together, you will notice... You are there in their hand. None can pluck you out. And he said, they will never perish. Notice, the word is tried, it is true. You will never perish. That means you cannot be considered as spiritually dead anymore. In your spirit, there is eternal life. There is the life of God. There is the nature of God. What's in the Father is in you. What's in the true vine is in you also, in the branches. Hallelujah. So, if you have to interpret revelations more carefully in this chapter, you'll have to notice there, he's talking about the works, in quote, being registered as dead, or not done. Can you see that? We were created to do certain things. And so, he said in verse 2, Be watchful, and strengthen the things which remain. So the church is basically on the earth, to be able to strengthen and prepare people to finish what they were created for. That's what brings glory to God. We may have started out nicely, we may have had all the zeal and the zest to go forward, but we ran into this and that, and then we began to look at life just from the senses, and so the productivity from within us didn't produce anything on the outside because we were stumped by our senses because of our feelings, because of our emotions, because we walked out of the realm of the Spirit and rather into the flesh, into our senses, 
we didn't bring forth that kind of fruit that we were supposed to. Can you see that? So he's not saying that you are dead and so you lost the life of God. That's not what he's talking about. The life and the nature of God will never perish out of you. Isn't that interesting? Notice verse 2. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. What's he talking about? Those things. There are things that had to be done and those things have to be strengthened to be done and we have to do them. Those works have to be found and have to be done. See the word there, those works have to be perfect before God doesn't mean that it's just maturity but it means finishing it. You know, I'm not a Greek scholar but if you have a little... Uh, Bible with few strong references, you will notice that there are different words. The word for perfecting is different from the word for accomplishing in number. They are different, different kinds of words. So, you know, these kind of uh, helps are available, but notice without that, it would be a little bit hard to figure out the meaning of this verse. But if you stick with the basic truths that the life of God is in your spirit, and that cannot be taken away from you, praise God, you can read it safely. Hallelujah. Now, observe verse 3. We're going to see this a little clearly. Remember therefore how thou hast received, notice, and heard, and hold fast, and repent. Notice, if therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know What hour I will come upon thee. Wow, pretty scary lines of thought. But let's hear verse 2 in Kannada also. Amen. So we have to be able to do works that actually will stand before God not just before men. So the value of the works is that in God's eyes they are right. That's why we pray in our you know, prayer pockets that prayer of the great shepherd that was raised again so that our works are done perfect in his sight. You know, sometimes we are bothered about our works being right in the sight of men, but that can be just empty, clanging noises. What is important is that they are done from the right perspective. That means in the sight of God. That the God of peace that wrought again or raised again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make us perfect in every good work to do His will, working in us that which is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Notice, He has given us these kind of prayers to make sure that we do the works that are right in His sight. And that's what is, you know, He's talking about here. This Sardis church, they seem to be on a different level before, but as time went, um, what they were supposed to do in the realm of God before his eyes seemed to have dropped. And even though they seemed like they were living in quotes, things that reflected outside were not making the impact before God. 
So we have to watch and strengthen the church constantly. So the, the work of the pastor is basically observing from the Spirit of God, from the truth, from the Word of God, how's the church really? Are they really doing works that are alive? Are they functioning as they were created to be? Have things dropped? Can you see? That's how Jesus looks at the church and expects the pastor to look at the church also. We live in a very strange time and we're not able to gather and see each other face to face. And so I have to trust God that I'm picking up things in the spirit concerning the people. You see, um, let's take a quick dash off to the book of Philippians for a minute. Notice Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, he says in verse 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, observe that, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Observe here um, that there is a place where I cannot see you really. And uh, I can ask people, how are you doing? And uh, it's been a while. And all I get is, praise God, Pastor, we are fine. So I have to trust God and hear from Him and bring what He wants me to bring so that people are strengthened to do those things for which they were created, you see. However, even if I'm not there, the Bible says, much more that I'm absent, each one ought to work out their own salvation from spirit outwards. See, so the, the body of Christ has no excuse, really. They have to work out some things from the spirit realm into the outside or the external man. Hallelujah. Shall we hear verse 12 in Canada, please? So, we're not saying that you have to work every day to be saved. Some people actually preach such things. It's amazing. But this is saying that the life, the nature, the salvation on the inside, the spirit of man, has to be now translated to works on the outside. The senses have to now experience that life that you have on the inside, the love of God on the inside. The spirit realm is unselfish. The spirit realm is God's realm, and God loves and gives. The senses are selfish. It's the senses that have trained us to hold back. And so when there's no supervision, we just do what our senses tell us to do. And so the pastor's role has become like some kind of unwelcome supervisor. <laughs> but that's not the way it's supposed to be. It should be a respect for God that drives you to do things from your spirit rather than from the senses. So that even if the pastor is not there physically, you're able to work from inside out. Hallelujah. So the, the whole picture is that Jesus knows the church. He knows the pastor. He knows where they are weak, where the works are not produced that will glorify Him, 
that make no actual contact in the spirit realm. He knows all of that. And he says he has a report for each church. And so with that in mind, we have to start working on the earth. Because these were written to churches, not just over there in those places of the world, those seven there, but they were written to all the churches on the earth. It's just that we kind of were scared because maybe we were not equipped to read it at that time properly, and it would just go contrary to what Jesus was saying. And you could not understand how a God who loves you so much can actually say that you are dead. If I have his nature, how can I be dead? True, you're not dead in your spirit. You're alive in your spirit. But the works that are supposed to come forth, if they are not done out of love or the true spirit, they're just empty noises. Hallelujah. Now, let's go back to verse 13, still in Philippians 2. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. See, so where does God work? He works in us. He works in our spirits. Hallelujah. And so as we learn to look inside, we can say, Ha, ah, thank God. God is working in my spirit. God's life is in the spirit. And from the spirit, I'm going to act out. I'm going to begin to affect my world. I'm going to affect what I'm doing. Praise God. So God is working in us both to will and do His good pleasure. As you tune in, you can pick it up. So I feel, especially in this season, that you, you should not look at the church as a place where you were just forcefully supervised, but rather you should look at a church where, as a place where your works are being prepared to glorify God. Hallelujah. Otherwise, the report card from heaven may not be so great. Are you getting this? You're not going to hell because the life of God is still inside your spirit and no one who has entered those hands shall ever perish. Are you getting this? Yea, it is written there, you know, some pretty scary stuff about their names being blotted out and all that. We're continuing. Let's go back to Revelation 3. I hope you're getting what we're saying here today. Praise God. Back to Revelation 3, verse 3. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. What? I will come upon you as a thief? You will not know which hour? You know, praise God. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to give us life, life more abundantly to the full. Right? John 10.10. 10. What's this? Well, as you study and pray over it, you will notice that he and the devil, they don't exchange roles. What he's saying here is that he's going to come unannounced if we don't check things ourselves. He will come and affect some changes. If we don't take the time and the chance given to us to make some adjustments. Are you getting that? So he leaves us with it first of all. To trust the word, trust the spirit, 
trust what he's saying to us inside to make the adjustments in the church. If we don't, then he comes in unannounced and he does whatever he wants and that may not be a lot of fun. Are you getting it? You remember the one who came to the synagogue, to the temple back there in the days of Mark 11. He came through, he looked and then he went away. Then he came and he made some adjustments like throwing over the money changers tables and making a small whip and all of that stuff. Yeah, that's the kind of person he is. The zeal of the father's house has consumed him. So he's that person and he has not changed. So he gives the church and the pastor the time to perceive from him, to learn from the word that these things have to be done, these works have to be perfected. But if within a certain space of time he doesn't make those adjustments, guess what? He comes in himself, unannounced, and he does what he, he wants to do. And that may not be a lot of fun. Hallelujah. Shall we hear again uh, verse 3 in Kannada, please? Hmm, isn't that interesting? So may God help us as pastors and church folk to be able to be sensitive to our time, our season and what we are supposed to do and yield and make adjustments, change our thinking, whatever has to be done. You know, it would be just necessary, highly necessary to yield at that time. It is working in us both to will and do His good pleasure. That's what He said. Therefore, we have a responsibility to pick it up and bring it into the church. Now, some folks may not like it, but that's the truth. And, uh, you know, if the book is in our hands now, whatever light we get from it now, we are accountable for it. You know, the fact that I'm even reading Revelations 3 is a big statement. For many years I would just glance at it, but I realized it has no private interpretation. The word is pure. The word is tried. The word cannot be added to, cannot be taken from. What Jesus said, what he meant, is in there. And it has to be handled properly to bring it out in order that the church will be what he created it to be, what he wanted. He's the head of the church. And so it's a very delicate thing. It's a very um, dicey thing to be able to do anything uh, in the church that will please him, right? We need to be careful that we're not just doing it from the outside based on our senses, based on our you know, perceptions from the external. Praise God. We have to help from the spirit realm the church to grow up. So I believe focusing on the life on the inside, which is selfless, is going to be a big help because you are looking for a way to be a blessing to others because you are looking inside. We had quoted... Romans 15, where it says, You then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please yourself, if you remember. So as we mature, adding step to step to step, we cross the area of godliness, brotherly love or brotherly kindness, and then move to the love of God. We are moving towards living 
to give, living to bless others and lift up other lives rather than just self-preservation mode. Hallelujah. And that is where I believe we are able to produce works that please this one, this Jesus that we're talking about, the Jesus of Revelation 3. So we may have all our opinions of how Jesus is, but this is who He is. Revelation 3, that's Him. You know, that's not some monster, that's not some strange person, that's Jesus. That's He who had the seven stars in His hand, He who has the seven spirits in His hand, He who has the pastors in His hand, He who has the churches in His hand. Praise God. He said, I know everything that's going on in the church. I know every detail. Hallelujah. The God whom we're dealing with knows everything. He knew it before we even came there. He knew long before what was going on in the church. In each church, each church is peculiar, you know. And He knows the peculiar nature of each church. And He's giving us an opportunity constantly to be able to adjust even if, in quotes, the pastor doesn't seem to be over your shoulder and looking over you like that and maybe pestering you a little bit and maybe even making you angry. But we need to step out from all of that and look from the spirit realm at the one who is saying these things. Amen? God help me to be able to minister from inside rather than from my emotions. Praise God. Now notice, I will come to thee. Verse 4 says, Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Very interesting thoughts. Talking about garments now. And you know, all of us have become the righteousness of God. Jesus became, God became, through Jesus, for us, righteousness. Right? Praise God. That's 1 Corinthians 1.30. Therefore, all of us in the Spirit, we are righteous. What's he talking about here? He's talking about works. Let's hear this in Canada, and then we'll look at another verse, please. Verse 4. Thank you, Brother Sharat. Yogi, you see that? So there, there's this thing about being worthy, walking worthy. We are worthy in the spirit, but walking worthy is another thing. That's why one of my favorite prayers, I believe, for the church today is, count us worthy of your calling. Count us worthy. See, that we may walk in a manner worthy of you, Lord, unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of you. Strengthened. Praise God. Remember those kind of things. So we are realizing more and more that there's someone inspecting us very closely. Praise God. And He's the, the great shepherd of the sheep. And the sheep are His. And the churches are His. And He's the one overseeing everything. And He sees everything so clearly, you know. So He says here, I know the names of those who have clean garments. Let me read from Revelation 19 also. Revelation 19. And observe there, verse 8. King James goes like this. 
And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. That's what King James says. But if you look at other translations, it says the fine linen are the righteous deeds of the saints. Praise God. So the, the works that come out of the saint, if they are right, they have a certain quality in what you wear, how you look in your raiment, in your clothing. So that's what Jesus was talking about. He said, there are some of you, I know their names, that are wearing clean garments, that are not defiled. He said, I know those. Praise God. And he called them few. Did you notice that? The word there was few. Let's go there again. Thou hast a few names. According to the Bible, there were few saved during the flood. If you remember in the book of Peter, it says few, and then it says eight. So the word for few in the Bible is any number between two and eight. So few here can mean about eight people. About eight people in this church who had names. They were real people with real nature. He said, I know those people. They have not defiled their garments. So he knows those who have persevered, continued to love him, continued to make adjustments. Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. I need to do better. Help me to do this right. Praying certain prayers, studying certain scriptures, wanting to bring forth fruit. He knows all of those. He said, in this case, there were few. The church here was not supposed to be a small church. It was a big church. And apparently, they were major guys at some time. And that's why he made this comment about them. That they were not like before. See? He says, you have defiled your, they, they, they have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy. Praise God. We are all worthy in the spirit. But then when you start to do certain things and they're seen outside, God judges them as being worthy or not worthy. And only he knows how to do that, right? Our job is to hear and make the adjustments during the time he has given us. If we don't make the adjustments in that time, then he comes in and he does whatever he wants. That explains a lot, doesn't it? Ah, God help us. May we handle our times properly. May we handle our seasons properly. May our hearts always be open to adjust so that we can bring forth fruit that endures. Fruit that is right in God's sight. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's read verse 5 also. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit said unto the churches. So this may not be easy to hear, but praise God we are deciding to hear. Because it's written to the churches. And here, you know, there's this little problem here. It looks like names will be blotted out if they are not overcomers. But guess what? The word never... Let's go read that. Let's go off to John and then we'll come back. 
John chapter 10. I'm glad it's Bible study, but like I said, a lot of these things are becoming more study-ish now. Maybe it's because we have to sit down and focus, um, you know, God knows it's our season, it's our time. It's a strange time, it's a strange season. Verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So he knows all of the sheep, like he said. I know their names, I know who they are. Praise God. Verse 28, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Can we hear that in Canada, please? Hmm, isn't that interesting? Indigo. That means never. I may not be pronouncing it properly, but I just heard it from Brother Sharad's mouth. Never. They shall never perish. That means forever. Just remove the N and you get ever. Notice how 29 continues, My Father which gave them me is greater than all. Hallelujah. No one. Some version says man, but it actually means no one or nothing. Is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. You know, that's a lot of security there. Praise God. I and my Father are one. Let's hear that also in Canada, verse 29, please, brother. Hallelujah. So what is the meaning of Revelation 3.5? Definitely, he's not saying that you're going to be taken out of life and thrown to hell. That's not what he's saying. It means something else. It means there's a record. There is a book of works which are living and works which are dying and dead. See, he said some of those works were dying. They were going to be dead. But he said, repent. Now is the time to watch, check, see properly, examine what is right, what's not right, and start to strengthen the things that look weak. So there's a whole lot of stuff going on in this church work. And God help us to do it right, right? So he's not saying that I will blot your name out and you're going to hell. He's just saying that there's a register of churches that are actually doing the right work. And there are others that are not doing the right work, which have zero effect. They're just clanging symbols. They don't have the love-based work going on. They are not looking for souls. They are ingrown. They are looking inwards all the time. They seem to be prosperous. They are happy with that. Instead of trusting in other things rather than their finances. There's a whole list there. We are going to look at some of that before our time runs out. We are going to have to look and see the principles of the scripture noted in each of our judgments or discernments of the church. And that's what makes it alive in front of God. Hallelujah. The word is tried. The word is true. That word 
has to examine everything we do. The Spirit and the Word must agree. And so we cannot be a church that is just just contented with themselves. You know, sometimes it can be quite bugging. But we are right now in a period where you cannot really reach out to people. You may have to do it through media. And you don't know if people are watching or listening. And that can be quite frustrating. But let's do what we have to do. Praise God. And if you can reach out to others who are unsaved by the media, that's wonderful. I mean, I picked up myself the other day just by chance, stumbled on a guy from another faith, and I just literally jumped on him and told him that all these things that you see are happening because Isa Annebi is coming. <laughs> and the guy listened to me, and we went at it for some time, and he really listened, and I spoke in whatever way I could. And But you can feel that you want to tell somebody because you know time is running out, brother. Time is running out. Hallelujah. And so the church, I believe the church has to begin to see that we are not just here to come and dominate you, rule over you, push you around, uh, harass you, pester you. That's not what we're here for. We're trying to see if we can produce some fruit that we were actually created for. I know some of you don't like me because I can be a little bit overbearing. I don't like it when your phones are still on. I don't like it when you walk up and down in the church, when you're supposed to be sitting down and listening to the scripture. Those things really irritate me. And so I may get a little ticked off. But the truth is, I want to see you doing the works of God. I'm not here to pester you. I'm not here to choke you and squeeze ministry out of you. No, that's not my desire. I'm going to stand before the God of Sardis, Jesus who spoke about the churches there. And I have to face him. And so may God help us all. But I'm praying that you will find yourself adjusting and doing what you were created to do before our time runs out. Hallelujah. I know it doesn't sound like fun, but this is the best I could do reading such scriptures today. Hallelujah. So he's not going to take your name out and throw you off to hell. That's not what he's talking about. No. He's saying there that if you don't make the adjustments and do those works and accomplish those things for which you were created, then your church and your names could be in another book where you're supposed to have a living testimony, but you have not a living testimony, more of a dead testimony. Are you getting this? Hallelujah. Verse 6 says, He that has an ear, let him hear. So it's not something that everybody is going to be wanting to hear. But I'm telling you, if we don't hear it now, when are we going to hear it? So I want to stir you up today, by any means, from the Spirit of God, through prayer, through these words, to consider your life as I consider my life, and I consider the church, if this church is in my care, then I have to consider some things. I have to ponder out and see, is there any actual life-giving stuff going on there? Or are we just, you know, making noises without actual impact from the love and the Spirit of God? Hallelujah. That's a very sobering thought, but 
the whole scripture there is very sobering. So I want us to ponder with the God who sees everything openly. In Hebrews, in the fourth chapter, I believe verse 13, he says, everything is open before him with whom we have to do or deal with. Everything is open, nothing is hidden. The reason why we do it and what we do. This is the person who is telling John on the Isle of Patmos about all these things. And he's saying, tell it to the churches. And so today, I believe it's our turn. This is all that matters. You know, whatever you see out there is being shaken. And the only thing which will remain is the unshakable kingdom which we have inherited. So it's worth it. It's really worth it trying to sort out our lives right now and choosing properly so that we have works that glorify Him. I know this is a bit strong, but we live in times that if we don't hear this now, when will we hear them, right? I believe that this is a timely, seasonal word for us, the church, and I believe God is calling us upwards to a higher place. God is always making an opportunity available to adjust so that we can do works which glorify Him. Hallelujah. Works that remain unto eternity. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, as you ponder on these things today, I want you to note in 1 Corinthians 13, Verse 4, this is your nature, this is my nature. King James says, Charity, which means love, suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Love vaunted not or is not proud, is not puffed up. You know when you're proud? When you get irritated easily. Those that are proud are easily irritated. Imagine if love is the nature inside. It's not puffed up. It's not proud. It's not irritated. So what's irritated? The senses. The eyes are irritated. The ears are irritated. What they see, what they hear is irritating them. And they convey that irritation to the department of the soul. And the soul produces a reaction. Now prosperity is based on the soul. Healing is based on the soul. Every blessing has to pass through the soul. Hallelujah. So if we're going to be moved just by what the senses are saying, our soul will not prosper. And therefore, we may not tap into that place that God has for us. This church in Sardis was supposed to be a good church that was really up there. And then they came up with this last testimony. So, I must say that living from inside makes a lot of difference. So, it doesn't matter what I see. It doesn't matter what I feel. It's the faith life. It's the wisdom of God. Ah, I am not irritated. The real me is not irritated. It's just my senses that are irritated. Hallelujah. Just imagine, you can actually separate these personalities. <laughs> the God personality on the inside can be separated from the emotional, sense-based personality, which you may think it's you, but it's not really you. This is you. The real man is the love man, is the God's wisdom man. 
The other man is just sensed, trained over years based on upbringing and emotions and all of that stuff. Praise God. But I think a new season is coming into our lives where we are going to be trained by the man on the inside. And he's going to call the shots. The final authority will come from inside. So we're going to be slow to rot. (laughs) Slow to speak. We're going to weigh things, balance them out, and know that we're producing works unto righteousness so that our garments are not defiled. Hallelujah. We can walk with Him as overcomers. He said, those that overcome will walk with me. They will have a special walk. They will have a special place with Him. And that means we are the ones He's talking to. Because whoever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. As long as we work from inside, we're going to overcome. But if we start going by the feelings and the five senses, starts to go down. Hallelujah. So God is a faithful God. And He has given us the equipment. And I believe the church is receiving. Shall we pray? Brother Sharat, I'm so glad. I'm thankful. Can you just read uh, verse 4 for me before we pray? First Corinthians 13 and verse 4. Priti Bahu Tamir Ladu, Karnir Ladu, Priti Utekichi Padudilla, Pokolikoludilla, Upikoludilla. Amen. Amen. There we go. Thank you, brother. Let's just pray for a minute. Hamis Cabro Pipilete Falacraste, Esther Monpreli, Encrauto Majubra Velidembre, Stafafa Talisto. E procutoli prasiel coroste fledicana da saliente. Father God, you're the one who sees your people. I pray for your people today that they will become sensitive to the man on the inside, to the nature of God and the love of God on the inside, that the spirit realm will be more real to each one, that it will not be emotions that make the decisions. But the Word and the Spirit, the reality of the great love of God, that determine the decisions. That we will fulfill the plan of God, do the works that we were created to. That we will not come home, we will not see you until we have done those works, Lord. Help us in this season of our life to think clearly, to act according to this wisdom, that we may have fruit that endures forever, that our names will be in your book, the book of commendation, not a book of inferiority in any sort. We worship you right now, the God who works in us both to will and do your good pleasure. I trust you. He who began the good work in us, he is faithful. He will work until we meet you face to face. He that is able to keep us from falling, and to present us faultless before the throne with exceeding joy. That great mighty one, we thank you that you are working. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for results. Thank you for effective, powerful results that this church, your people, will not be put to shame. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
Thank you so much. I believe you are blessed. We're going to receive our offering. If you would like to give, remember, God sees it and He will restore to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. He's a good God. He can give by media, give by uh, online transactions. However, Father, in Jesus' name, we give. We thank you that our seed is not in vain. You give seed to the sower, bread to the eater. We're sowing based on your word, your spirit. In this season of our lives, the God who said you will laugh at famine and pestilence. You will laugh at famine and pestilence. Ha, 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 ha. We laugh at famine and pestilence. Ha, 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 ha. When the world is complaining that it's going down, we declare it's getting better and better. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You will bring it in. Angels work. The earth yield for us. Hallelujah. You'll feed us with the heritage of Jacob. The earth will yield. Yes, Lord. The wealth of the sands, the wealth of the oceans, the wealth of the mountains, the wealth of the geographic earth is coming to your people. In the mighty name of Jesus, angels work with us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We're going to use this as a point of contact also to release uh, faith for those who are tithing, giving in any other form. Father, here mortal men receive, as it is written in Hebrews 7 and verse 8, but there he that lives forever, ha, 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 he receives. Into your hands we give, Lord. Thank you that the devourer is rebuked. He cannot steal, he cannot destroy. Ha, 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 ha. We thank you for increased overflow and abundance. It's coming to your people. Thank you that you are a faithful God. They shall not be put to shame. That's the power of the new covenant. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Brother Sharat. Thank you, uh, media team. I'm so grateful for you all. You are blessed.